stands in the place where you live. Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant, you can call him Chip, and we are back at it again with the very first three episodes of uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 3, Stardust Crusaders. And it's weird. Everything's weird now. (laughs) Uh, Everything uh, is different. Everything's different. Again, this is where JoJo really began. Uh, (laughs) I was wondering how long it would take. I mean, this is probably, with part three, probably the biggest change to what JoJo is known for now, in that the way everyone fights is going to be really different. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Part three picks up right where the the teaser at the end of part two ended with... uh, you know, 1983 in the, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. near the Canary Islands again. Uh, some salvagers are pulling up that chest. In episode one, a man possessed by an evil spirit. Ah, yes. Uh, I want to call out the very first shot. Uh, the camera is upside down. We are seeing the sea above the sky. And then there is a vertical pan as the camera basically does half a backflip right. uh, all the way to normal uh, uh, to, to show this boat winching up the super coffin. Right. I forgot about that shot. You know, they, they they pull up Dio's super super coffin, which again mm-hmm. you you asked this in the uh, the the recap we did of part two. Wait a minute, <laughs> how? <laughs> so just half an hour ago, before recording, I went back to uh, uh, the final ripple to see how things went down yeah. as that boat went down, and I wasn't forgetting anything. No, there's no like. <laughs> There's no foreshadowing what will be explicitly stated not too far from here, so I don't feel like we're spoiling a reveal. Mm -hmm. Uh, What happens is Dio did get Jonathan's body and dove into a secret second man-sized compartment in the bottom of the coffin. Yeah, Arena was riding on basically on the lid of the secret compartment. And when Mm -hmm. she was rescued, they just grabbed her and the baby and then pick up the coffin, too. And so that then just sank into the Apparently, yeah. Apparently, Dio is is like Joseph fast and did all of that (laughs) and jumped in the secret compartment unnoticed, unseen. And then the the coffin was just abandoned to, to sink so straight down it got back inside the boat (laughs) yeah 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 oh it's so goofy to be discovered a hundred years later (laughs) it's so goofy yeah there's uh so there's some like random like jojo novelizations some of them are like adapting the actual parts and some of them Mm -hmm. are completely new stories and they're written by other different authors and somebody rewrote that part so that Arena actually picked up somehow the massive body of Jonathan and put it in that secret compartment herself so that he could get a proper burial or something. Oh, that's sweet, actually. Yeah. That does mean, however, that she did drag Jonathan's body <laughs> while still gripping out the Dio's still living head and just stuck that in the coffin, too, and went like, I'll deal with that head later. Oh, oh, I don't like that. That makes her dumb. It's it's better if she just kicked it like a football. And, yeah, I mean... And, I, and then he, he skittered on his neck veins uh, un, unnoticed. Like, if you did that and knew, like, hey, there's a fucking living, alive vampire head in this coffin with my husband's fucking bo- dead body, just open it in the in a sunny area. Just open it yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And he's done. You put yourself in the secret compartment safe and him in the sunny compartment. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's very goofy. Like, 
But at the same time, I understand the allure of having a cliffhanger where the Dio coffin gets dredged up, dredged up from the sea. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah, because you, you might be able to invent any number of other ways for, for Dio to, to be slumbered and then uh, to, to slumber and then be re- reawoken 100 years later. Mm-hmm. But none of them immediately communicate that like the super coffin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I, I went back and I, I rewatched that bit of mm-hmm. of the final Ripple episode uh, uh, and, and Jonathan's death and be like, oh, man, Jonathan's death gets me. It's been so long. Yeah. And still like, ah, oh. so so I could, you know, check the sources. And then I'm describing to, to Elena what happened and why I care. <laughs> and she's like, you're angry about th- you are upset about this. <laughs> yes, I am. I am upset about this. <laughs> This is a betrayal of continuity, and it matters. Yeah, yeah. Man, even though you only spend nine episodes, like, it, it, part one feels so far, like, in the past now that when you do go back to that part, like, for some reason, the the, the Jonathan's death hits harder now than it did when it first happens. Mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. know why, but... And anybody who knows, like, my tastes and, and mm-hmm. my opinions will be surprised to know that I'm suddenly, like, caring about continuity in that way. And let me tell you why that is. Yeah. Dio somehow surviving, stealing Joseph's body, and, and like, coming up on top in, in their eternal struggle. That's fine. That's mm-hmm. a perfectly good story. But doing it in a way that immediately, that, that undercuts something uh, Jonathan saw coming and worked specifically to prevent, yeah. that's bullshit. That yeah. is fucking bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, for sure. It, it was funny. I, I, I was remembering the first time I, like, went through... Or, or got to part three and, you know, saw the teaser of, of Dio's super coffin getting pulled up. I remember back then, so, for some reason, I didn't put it together. They're like, wait a minute. How did this happen? I was like, <laughs> oh, Dio's back. And that that was all, that was the only thought that went through my head. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it is something, it, it's very different uh, between, you know, that being published, what, four years later yeah. versus, you know, watching it in animation couple weeks later <laughs> yeah yeah definitely plays differently but i guess let's get back to the action with the super ripley bodybuilder salvagers <laughs> dude these guys are fucking ripped these guys are hilarious and it's th- this is literally the only scene they're in they're not you know zero percent body fat no name guys <laughs> yeah these guys are just huge and they're, they're they getting... haul up the super coffin one of them says quote hold on wait this is bizarre ah <laughs> yeah. i get it i got you uh-huh but yeah they're like chipping away uh stuff that is that has grown onto uh the super coffin and you know chip off enough to to fully reveal dio and they're just like d-i-o yeah yeah what? not dio the guy but dio the inscription on the lock <laughs> yeah of course he labeled his super coffin <laughs> but you know one guy's super impatient just like i don't give a fuck that this coffin is weird just open it up there's got to be some good shit in there they smash the lock instead of picking it which is good for them poor father sticks oh <laughs> poor guy yeah god they are able to notice somehow that it's locked from the inside uh, which is why they, you know, they're just bashing it open. But uh, yeah, they they open it up, and it just cuts ahead to the the narrator explaining that one day, th- just a completely deserted boat or or cruiser was spotted. Mm-hmm. Uh, the crew completely vanished. There's just the leftovers of Dio's super casket and nothing else. Uh, th- this is when they uh, first describe the casket as having two compartments. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You see the the first compartment like lifted up. And uh, this this is all done over like a 
handheld camera like there's some shaking going on as the yes. camera just flies around and through this this boat uh a very clearly like cg model uh, a boat yeah yeah and that comes up a lot through this whole first episode there there's a lot of very mobile yeah. camera and and cg composite shots because stardust crusaders is probably like the most well-known one this anime has a bit more budget to work with than the other parts. Yeah, it, it seems so, like a big, hey, we're back, motherfuckers, kick down the door. We're going to flex on you with our CG uh, uh, shaky cam shit. And also later, CG environments, but with 2D characters. They When the camera's panning, they're almost like uh, Paper Mario characters. Yes, yes. There, there's a lot of <laughs> Mode 7 parallax that happens. Even in Episode yeah. 3, there's a really conspicuous one. Yes. Yeah, it's like kind of goofy looking, but I like what they're trying to do with it. So, <laughs> uh, so, so yes, this boat has been abandoned and, and was forgotten because this occurred in 1983, long before true crime podcasts existed to yep. over scrutinize anything vaguely mysterious. <laughs> so yeah, the narrator says, yeah, just it was a weird thing, but quickly forgotten within a few months that we go to uh, Japan camera flying by the big uh tokyo tower mm -hmm. i think it is the the really cool big red tower that's kind of like the eiffel tower panning over now to uh, a jail and we've got uh two cops uh reading off th the rap sheet of jotaro kujo mm -hmm. our new jojo they explain that uh his friends call him jojo and that it is squishing together uh syllables from his first and last names thank you for explaining how the name jojo works <laughs> it's yeah. only the third one i've been so confused <laughs> up till now huh jotaro's dad is a jazz musician currently on tour so you'll never have to worry about seeing jotaro's dad because he basically doesn't exist instead <laughs> we get his mom holly kujo the daughter that we saw in our, our last episodes you know sort of where are they now segment as a little girl mm -hmm. is now all grown up with a a teenage delinquent of her own <laughs> Holly looks a pretty similar to, to Susie Q. Her oh, mom. yeah. <laughs> uh, and she's personality wise, very similar she, to Susie Q. She's too, her mother's she's, daughter. Absolutely. She's basically a clone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's very ditzy, not like super bright, very cheerful. Uh, and she's convinced her son has murdered a man, at least one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's super worried. By the way, also the cops, when they're explaining how the the name Jojo works, after they explain that, they one cop says to his other friend with a very strange haircut, that's pretty dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're yeah. reading off this rap sheet. They seem very proud of him for street fighting, you know, taking it to, to the tufts. Yeah. Oh, we wish we could get down there and also pulverize men's balls. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and crush them into powder. Yeah, Jotaro didn't kill anybody, but he sent all of them to the fucking hospital. They were apparently all armed with nunchucks and knives, and he just fist fought all of them. W one of them was a former boxer. He broke 15 of their bones between all these people, and yeah, <laughs> crushed their balls. Every last one. <laughs> like he that made a point of it. Is that Jotaro's finishing move, or <laughs> was that just like, okay, I beat all these guys up pretty good. They're all on the ground, you know, writhing in pain. And just to cinch it, I'm going to walk one by one and just crush all their balls just to make sure they, they really don't get back up. It's his calling card. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> when he moves on to killing people in the street, they will know it's him. Yeah, yeah. It's like how Caesar's calling card was beating people with a wrench. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, the the cops just are telling Holly like, okay, this isn't a big deal. Keep him. You know, we're we're gonna release Jotaro to you. Just you know, make sure he doesn't get into any more street fights where he beats four men and crushes their balls. <laughs> So, yeah, we're, we're getting this as like a, a walk and talk through, you know, the hallways going down the stairs. And there is like constant like shifting between the background and foreground and the camera itself. It, it makes this really dynamic, but also very yeah. uneasy. Like you're, you're not grounded. Some, something's coming around the corner sort of sense. Yeah. You know, Holly gets she she's just still so worried about Jatara that she just runs ahead of the cops to go see him. And we're seeing we, we're getting f- like flashbacks in her mind of memories of Jotaro, of him being little and growing up mm-hmm. to, to his current age. Uh, and in every single memory she has of Jotaro, he's a very nice boy. Yeah. Yeah. She's reminiscing about the good times before he was the nut crush killer. <laughs> But also because of the way Holly acts, you know, she's very, uh, she's very cheerful, very, very ditzy and stuff. Is this just how she views Jotaro in her mind? And he's never been <laughs> because of the, way, the way you see her interact with Jotaro through the thing. Does she think her giant, you know, delinquent son has just been a very nice boy this whole time, even though he's probably been very mean his whole life? <laughs> These all just like manufactured memories she's got. I, I, I would love that. He's actually scowling. He, he's like torturing squirrels in the backyard. <laughs> yeah, but she I just don't think, like oh, what Jotaro nice at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jotaro's, uh, he grows on you, but not so much because like, oh, he, okay, he's cool, actually. I mean, you know, like, uh, I, I like his personality. It's just more like, damn, this is the guy who punches really fucking good. <laughs> And, and like, by, by the end of the third episode, I start getting to that point. But, like, talking about the his introductory moments, he's, yes. he sucks so bad. I hate him. Yeah, Jotaro is, uh, th- like how Joseph was a, a, a big change from Jonathan, Jotaro is the same way. Uh, because as soon as uh, Holly gets to the cell. Jotaro's first line to his mom is, shut the hell up. You, you're you so damn annoying, you bitch. <laughs> he calls his mom a bitch multiple times in these first three episodes. It's his catchphrase. But also, like, he, he, he shouts, like, shut the hell up, mom. And Holly's reaction is to go, okay. <laughs> I love her. She's great. Yeah. I want this show to yeah. be about Holly. <laughs> but, like, Get out of my face, you bitch, is the last thing either previous JoJo would ever say. <laughs> yeah. Like, especially Joseph. Like, imagine him saying that at Granny Arena. No way. He'd kill himself for saying that. <laughs> right? Like, right? Like, he'd beat himself up. Jonathan could never uh, say something so uncouth. He's never said a swore, <laughs> swear in his life. <laughs> Jonathan never said the word heck, okay? Yeah, yeah. While Joseph is... Yeah, he he's like an objectifying horn dog, but if you tried to explain to him that that's kind mm-hmm. of misogynist, he would not believe you. He would not accept that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now yeah, so, get out of my face, you bitch. Said to his own fucking mother, I hate him. <laughs> yeah. So to to briefly describe what Jotaro looks like, uh one, he's like 16 years old, I believe, the mm-hmm. cops said. And he's fucking huge. He's basically just as big as Joseph was. He's like 6'5". Still pretty muscular. Still not as big as like Jonathan, of course. No one can, can beat the original beefy boy. Even Joseph, I think, was broader than him uh, in, in his first scenes, at least. But like, yeah. I would say that Jotaro is the first Jojo that doesn't 
immediately remind me of the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're getting a little more slender as we go here. He's still tall enough, like, to be on the dream team, yes, but... <laughs> Yeah, he's in like a, a a school, his school uniform. It's all black, but he's accessorized a little bit. He's got some some fancy stylish belts that only seem to be there for the fashion statement. They mm -hmm. don't actually hold anything up. He's got uh, on his big, super stiff popped collar, uh, a giant golden chain hanging from, mm -hmm, from mm -hmm. one huge chain links and uh probably his like defining thing with his character design is he so he's got his a black hat on a black school cap he's put accessorizes like some gold medals on it but the back of the hat is ripped off and it blends perfectly with his hair as if it's part of his hair mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh there are some shots we can actually see like it throughout part three where like his hat comes off and yeah the back has just been ripped off so it blends in with his hair but it kind of looks like it's, a swan like if you cut, yeah. if, if the swan stuck its neck way out to become the bill of the hat and, yeah, and the, yeah. the way his hair flares out is like the, the butt feathers. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, the art style has again changed a little bit from part two. Uh, one of the biggest defining like things of art, part three's art style is there's a lot of dudes whose shoulders Yes. Like the, their, yes. Their clothes, their their the shoulders are super padded and are taller than like uh where their shoulders actually end up. It's like their arms are action figure arms. <laughs> they look they look completely separated from the rest of their body. Everyone is smuggling Vespa tires uh uh in their yes. jackets everywhere they go. Like the the dominant uh, uh silhouette is the Metroid Prime 2 dark suit. <laughs> yeah, basically yeah, totally. And that's like the defining, like if you saw just a single character in a void and go, what part from JoJo is this? Even if they were new, if they have those shoulders, you know, it's part three because mm -hmm. it's only part three that has. And this. it's everybody. It, it's everybody cool. Like, I don't think the cops do it. Uh, uh, the, the three stooges that uh, he's sharing his cell with don't. But everybody who you're supposed to think is cool. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. After Jotaro calls his mom a bitch and says, shut the hell up, she goes, okay, that's one part the Stardust Crusaders title slams yes, on screen. Yes, yes. <laughs> there, there is a lot of, like, comedy in the edit, in the sound design. There, there is one joke in, I think it's episode three, we'll get to it. It wouldn't be a joke if the soundtrack didn't drop. You know, that is the, the punchline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Jotaro is saying that, you know, even though his mom has come to pick him up, he's not leaving his cell. Because he is cursed with a ghost. Yeah, he's got it. He thinks he's possessed by an evil spirit and he's afraid that he's going to keep hurting people. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> it's, it's the ball busting ghost. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. Like he was saying he had to like actively try during his fight with those other guys to like not absolutely like just murder them because of this this evil ghost the, the supernatural element comes faster every part yeah at this point we've reached where it comes even before the action starts yeah like the, this is if you're you're retelling the spider-man origin story and the first scene is peter parker going to the doctor and be like i don't know something fucking weird is going on with me <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, there, there are three other guys in the cell with Jotaro, uh, and they're absolutely terrified. They want to get transferred to a different cell. <laughs> when they're begging the cops to move them to a different cell, uh, Jotaro shotguns a beer mm-hmm. uh, that he suddenly has. Uh, you can see he suddenly has a whole bunch of other things in his cell with him. He's got like a radio. He's got an RC car. He's got the latest issue of Shonen Jump. Yes, literally Shonen Jump by name. <laughs> Yeah, and when you see him go to read the Shonen Jump, like, he doesn't pick it up. It just floats in the air into his hand. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's haunted by the spirit of some sort of college boy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just a a whole big swath of interest here. Mm -hmm. I mean, damn, reading Shonen Jump and shotgunning a beer. That's the the life, man. (laughs) That's pretty good. By the way, he shotguns the beer by stabbing the bottom open with a pen he also also has. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. What a cool dude. I've never seen someone shotgun a beer so slowly, though. <laughs> he's he's savoring it for some reason. Yeah, he does he does savor it, yeah. It's a very small hole. The the cops are asking Holly, like, hey, is there something wrong with like what wrong with your kid in the head or something? Like, we don't buy any of this. So uh Jojo gets up to demonstrate, okay, I'll show you like my fucking evil spirit uh, and how dangerous this thing is. He gets up to the bars and you see a, a ghostly arm mm-hmm. just barely appear and reach out through the bars and grab the guard's gun. Which the guards do not see. They just see this gun start to levitate. Yeah, they don't see the arm at all. And Jotaro goes, okay, check this shit out. Did you see my evil spirit? No? Okay, I'm going to shoot myself in the head. Uh, and as he, he fucking fires a bullet at himself, point blank, the bullet just stops in midair, and this ghostly arm that is behind him just grabbed the bullet, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, instantly. Uh, he is at that awkward stage in a young man's life where a glam rocker ghost prevents him from shooting himself. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> yeah. Usually around somewhere, you know, 16, 19, you know, some people are late bloomers. Uh, <laughs> I never got mine. Oh. I'm really hung up about it. More than the the being short thing, just not having my own glam, the the not having my own glam rocker ghost is. Uh, have you tried really shooting hurts. yourself in the head? Uh, not yet. I'm terrified because I'm not sure if I'll have the glam rock ghost that catches bullets or the glam rock ghost that's a, a muscular pterodactyl. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, with, with that we go to the uh, the airport where uh, old man Joseph has just arrived. Well, and Holly's before there that, to... we we uh, we should talk about this season's new eye catches. Oh, right. Yeah. To an episode, we're, we're getting uh, uh, some who's that Pokemon ass title cards. Yeah, where it's still just all in silhouette because we haven't been yeah, appropriately yeah. introduced to the, the new power of part <laughs> three. But they come with graphs to give you rankings and all of their the different stats that these things can have, these ghosts. Or they come uh, with nothing, like in this case, just blank. <laughs> all question marks for now. Like, like you were saying, Joseph Joestar... Gramps ha- has arrived in the airport and he's abusing yet another stranger. <laughs> oh man, yeah, he he just shoves another guy completely over to so he can rush over to Holly who's there to to greet him. Once in his departure airport and now at his arrival, mm-hmm. he should not be allowed <laughs> to fly. This man is a menace. <laughs> it does seem that Joseph has is cursed uh when it comes to planes because when he was young you know that plane he was on got fucking hijacked and all that shit mm-hmm. so I, it's just they don't work well with joseph joestar <laughs> i just hope he wasn't flying this one that's when things go really bad so uh joseph is in a new get up now he he's got kind of an indiana jones thing going. Yeah, he, he's a going safari man now. yeah 
got a, a big hat. He's got a, a long kind of like duster or trench coat. Very khaki, khaki all over. Yeah, he is khaki all over. He's got a big red gem brooch on his black turtleneck. I wish it was a bolo tie. <laughs> I want to see him rock a bolo tie. He would. It, it's nice to see Joseph because, you know, in contrast to Jotaro, old man Joseph is mostly pretty nice unless it's foreigners that he wants to push over. <laughs> Yeah, his daughter's there to meet him. She rushes over, uh, exceeds her, her dad's time limit on hugs. He's, he tries to be very strict on this, but he just can't say no. She, she like, starts tickling him in public, and he starts screaming, and... And he gets the clicky fingers! <laughs> yeah, he gets the clicky fingers. He Like, his hands are gloved now, so you can't see the robot hand, but he's still got it. You hear it click whenever he moves it. All of Japan is staring at this clicky finger tickle fight. <laughs> it's very unusual. <laughs> Joseph already knows, has already heard about the uh, the whole evil spirit thing going on with Jotaro, and he's very concerned about this. And he seems to have a theory. He knows more than he's letting on. Yeah, he's trying to get some more info from Holly. So he's like, okay, you can't see it, but he claims he has one. Okay, I got a good idea. We're going to go straight to the jail and, and get this whole mess sorted out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so back at the jail, uh, Jotaro has continued to turn his cell into a dorm room. Yes. Yeah, he's got even more stuff. He's got the RC car now. He's got a little end table. He's got like a Palm Pilot <laughs> thing, PDA or something. A whole bunch of books. This is a good uh, ghost you got. It's a great ghost, yeah. Uh, so Joseph arrives. He continues to just hate cops. Some things never change. Yeah, he just shoves these cops aside. By the way, just completely dwarfing the cops. He's like a foot and a half taller than <laughs> these dudes. That's right. He doesn't even push them away. He literally picks them up by the scruffs of their necks and just tosses them out of frame. <laughs> he don't give a fuck. Yeah, he is telling Jotaro, uh, come on, grandson, just get the fuck out of the cell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. While uh, his grandson is like, shut the fuck up, old man. I am a disrespectful little <laughs> shit. That is my character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and while saying that reveals that at some point he was able to rip off one of his grandpa's robot fingers. Mm-hmm. You know, Joseph's like, damn, his ghost is even like more powerful than I thought it could be. He ripped that finger off and I didn't even <laughs> didn't even notice, didn't even feel it. Uh, but Joseph brought a friend. I guess Smokey was too busy running one city or another. I'm not sure, yes. I guess. Yes. Uh, so, so we meet Advil. Uh, I have to assume his name was Abdul in, in uh, originally. <laughs> uh, so, his, so his name is Mohammed Avdal. So in Japan, they don't have the B sound, so they substitute it with V. Mohammed Avdal is actually, uh, his name, namesake uh, uh, is owed to uh, Paula Abdul. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, both because, you know, uh, Voidberger, our guest in the last episode, mentioned that somebody would be named Paula Abdul. I was on the lookout for it. But also, it's one of the, like, default names for somebody for, from North Africa, as he is. Yes. This is a, an Egyptian man. Joseph... Uh, is just saying, like, okay, Avdol here, he's going to make you get out of the cell, mm-hmm. even if you don't want to. And that this is how they also use... Uh, they're, they're teaching Jotaro what his evil spirit actually is. Mm-hmm. Avdol has the, uh, uh, the same evil spirit attached to him, brings it out, and it is uh, a, a big, buff, naked man with a pterodactyl head mm-hmm. that is on fire. Always on fire. Constantly on fire. <laughs> Its name is Magician's Red. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and it just phases through the bars, and it just starts fucking wrapping Jotaro up in flame like whips, mm-hmm. and just suspending him to the to the, the wall and stuff. The cops can't see this shit. Holly can't see, see this shit. They look at the thermometer, and it's about to explode because it's so hot in yeah, here. Yeah, they're freaking out, and someone shouts, "Zip it, pig!" I'm not sure who, but it would fit any of their characters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody has their problems, but you probably shouldn't hire psychic mystic warriors to put your estranged grandson in the hospital. I don't think <laughs> that is the first step on the path toward healing. Uh, yeah, Magician's Red uh, attacking Jotaro here forces uh, Jotaro to like completely bring his evil spirit out. Uh, and it is, as you described, a glam rocker. It is a big buff purple man with a red scarf, golden sh- uh, shirt pauldrons, and a face kind of like Jotaro's, but more angular, a little less human looking, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just, just 80s metal hair. <laughs> and fingerless gloves with lots of metal studs uh, on the back and knuckles. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. His evil ghost reaches out and, and grabs a magician's red by the throat. And you can see on Avdol... You can. It looks like he has been the one grabbed, like by the throat. You can see the imprint of mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the the fingers on his throat. So that's a good bit of like show don't tell into the mechanics. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And any damage that your ghost is taking, you are going to take as well. So Joseph starts explaining what exactly the these things are. They are called stands because they are ghosts that stand next to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Perhaps they don't stand so close to you. <laughs> Avdol's saying, like, hey, okay, this this stand J- Jotaro has is uh, way stronger than I thought it was going to be, and if you want me to, like, actually get him out of this jail cell, I might just have to throw him in the fucking hospital. <laughs> Here I go. I'm going to beat up your grandson. <laughs> and Joseph's like, fine by me. <laughs> All right. It takes what it takes, buddy. Go for it. Yeah. Is this cathartic for Joseph? Because it seems like he's been, Jotaro's been a little shit his whole life, maybe. So mm-hmm. <laughs> just putting him in his fucking place for a second here. With his friend's buff pterodactyl stand. So, uh, yeah, Magician's Red starts choking out uh, Jotaro's stand, which therefore, you know, starts choking out him as well. And we learned that even stands are to a degree breath powered. We can't get past this. Yeah. Okay. It's it's more just, I think, hey, if you pass out from lack of oxygen, your ghost can't do shit. Okay. Okay. Stands are breath powered in the way all fighting is breath powered, not necessarily the specific way Hamon is breath powered. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, he's being choked out with, with this, like, flame whip over his face. Uh, Jotaro's like, okay, I'm going to get serious about this, too. And he kicks the table that's behind him. So it goes flying into the toilet and causes the toilet water to to spew everywhere. Another great tracking shot of yeah. a, a CG animated model. Yeah. Yeah, that shot's cool uh, of watching the, the table fly across the cell. Uh, before this water splash, you know, puts Magician's Red, the firebird, ah, I see what you did there, uh, on the uh-huh. back foot, Avdol is pressing the advantage and, and he mentions, you know, Aesop's fable, the North Wind and the Sun, to talk about the power right. of heat. Right. Uh, that is that. not what the story is about. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't surprise me. It's a short one. Uh, basically, the, the North Wind and the Sun are arguing about, you know, who is more powerful. And the Sun's like, okay, see that guy down there? Whichever one of us can get him to take his cloak off first is is the stronger. Uh, you go first. Mm. So the North Wind blows and blows. As, as hard as it blows, uh, the, the man just keeps clutching his cloak tighter and tighter. And then the Sun just makes things pleasant. And, and with a, a nice gentle warmth, the, the dude, like 
sits down, relaxes, ta- and takes off his cloak for a nap, and the sun wins. So the the uh, lesson you're supposed to take is, uh, you know, the power of gentle persuasion. Mm. But the lesson you should actually take that I think really does apply is that you win fights by determining the win condition of a fight. Mm. Okay. Because that is exactly what happens here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Joe Toro is, is getting pissed and, you know, after extinguishing some of those flames, he pulls his stand out and just tears two of the bars off of the, the jail cell door. They're very sharp and pointy, and he's going in to just fucking stab stab this dude mm-hmm, with these mm-hmm. bars. And to do so, he steps outside the, the jail cell, and Avdol's like, bam, he got out, I win. That was the rules. Yeah, and then the, the fight's <laughs> over. He just immediately puts his stand away. He, he just sits down. I like Avdol. Yeah, yeah, this is good. To, also, to, to describe Avdol's look real quick, uh, also super tall, huge guy. It goes without saying. <laughs> Basically, uh, he's wearing kind of like a white robe and he's got a, a kind of a long red jacket over it. Big purple scarf, kind of turban or bandana. He's got like, they're not really dreads. His hair are is coiled up into tall cylinders all over his head. Yes, yes. Um, and he has a what I thought for the longest time until this rewatch and Voidberger pointed it out to me. He looks like he's wearing a big golden necklace made of like giant big golden uh, medallions. They are not a necklace. They are earrings. They don't go around his back. They're connected to his ears. Uh, (laughs) Never noticed that. And he's got like big like metal bracelets or or, like bangles going up his arms too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, Jotaro's out. He lost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We, we get another uh, uh, of those interstitial tile cards. This time there's information in it because it's about Magician's Red. Yeah. At least on my end, the Netflix uh, uh, version of this does not translate what the, the stats are no, <laughs> at all. No, no. I'm actually going to real quick just bring up the, the Crunchyroll version that just <laughs> translates the stats. Crunchyroll so loves to just slap translations of text onto objects. It's great. Yeah. Keep your hands off Isaacin is a tr- visual treat. <laughs> oh, yes. That's a really good show. I like that show a lot. But the, the scenes with like a thousand things written that they all have to uh, be translated on screen. It's oh, boy. So, some of those shots are yeah. a mess. Yeah. Oh, even the even the Crunchyroll ones don't don't translate the stats, actually. Damn. Huh. Let me. It's got to be on the wiki, right? Uh, the wiki doesn't even list Wamu's favorite color. I think you'll That's find. true. You're you're right, actually. That's, uh, it could be missing. No, damn, even the wiki doesn't seem to have the fucking stats. I'm gonna have to, at some point, just look up what, what the, the individual stats are. Yeah, no one's, no one's fucking putting these down. Are you kidding me? I'll have to find these later. <laughs> yeah, whenever the stats come up for stands in the interstitial things, they are, um, they do try to get them as close to what the actual abilities of those stands are in the show. I forget if it gets explicitly stated at some point or not, but basically the way stands work is it's a sliding scale of power. If you're really good in one thing, you're going to have to lose power in another thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's just kind of the general rule for the most part. If you got a stand, it can only be so good at one thing without sacrificing power elsewhere. When we're going through this, we'll learn the nature of how stands work a lot more it's definitely more consistent than hamon ever was <laughs> but i also think that's because stands are probably the best power for Araki to work with because it's different for every person mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if he's ever got a crazy idea or wants to change the rules it's a lot easier because it's an individually based power right right 
and there are some like fairly consistent rules that work for all stands, but we'll get to those in later episodes. Yeah, now that uh, Jotaro's out of his cell, uh, they just all go out for coffee. <laughs> <laughs> uh joseph uh continues to stand up for ladies specifically his beloved daughter <laughs> yeah it's it's one thing i like about old man joseph is that uh from the get-go there's an immediate sense that he loves being a dad mm-hmm. he really does he's a good boy he's, he's good. Yeah. she's such a good mom for such a bad boy for a bad boy he's a bad boy. for a bad boy in many ways he's not just a bad boy he's a bad boy yeah but yeah, now that everyone's just chilling out at this cafe, Jotaro's asking Joseph, like, how did you know about my my evil spirit or my stand or whatever it's called? I don't know how anyone could know about this crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jotaro goes out of his way to to start explaining all this stuff and saying, like, okay, every the reason why I came here, all this has to do with the lineage of the Joestar family. Throws down some Polaroids of the, the boat from the beginning of the episode and pictures of the the of dio's empty casket mm-hmm. and and starts explaining you know the history of part one essentially what everything that joseph could possibly know at least of what happened right right on that boat with jonathan and dio basically we we've got our world saving action story but it is mm-hmm. joined with a family drama about abandonment and resentment yeah because new jojo doesn't give a a, a lick about his family history because where is you know family when he needed him like it it seems very modern like 1990 or so feels like the first wave of that kind of thing yeah yeah jotaro growing up in japan his whole life there's basically been no other like joe stars to see him Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. throughout his life for the most part because uh like what he's gonna listen to anything his mom says (laughs) <laughs> yeah and joseph has like continued to live in new york for his whole life and in fact in the english dub you know he's older he's got a different voice actor for being old he doesn't have an accent anymore mm-hmm. he's become americanized <laughs> yeah and and something i should bring up uh that's exclusive to just the japanese dub because he's like hella american now even though his voice acting is all done in japanese if he ever swears, it is always in English, and it's really funny with the Japanese voice actor. Any time there's a there's a lot of holy there's a compilation video out there just the the Japanese voice acting of every time Japanese Joseph shouts "Oh my God" or "Holy shit," and it's a lot. He swears a lot in Stardust Crusaders. It's pretty funny. What would his grandpa think? Oh, oh no, the shame. But yeah, Joseph is explaining who Dio is to. Jotaro explaining how the Joestars are fated to fight Dio. Mm-hmm. We have to put an end to this dude. Jotaro just does not give a fuck. Yeah, well, psh, all right, sucks to be you then. <laughs> yeah, he basically just like sighs and rolls his eyes, and that get, that makes Joseph really pissed off. I, I think his line is, this face means that was so stupid, I don't know what to say, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is time for yet another stand reveal. Uh, there, there's a reason yes. Joseph knows so much about the, these stands. He has one himself. And only recently obtained one. Yeah. It was only within the past couple of years he suddenly got a stand out of nowhere. And like, okay, we've had two beefy punch boy stands. It is time to, to throw a wrench in, something completely different mm-hmm. uh, to, to show the breadth of this concept, which is that uh, uh, Joseph slams down a... a was it 30,000 yen Polaroid camera? <laughs> yes, yeah, a very, like a $300 camera. <laughs> and then karate chops it after some glowing vines encircle his hand. 
Mm-hmm. And that that is the power of his stand. He can do spirit photography. And once it uh, uh, develops, it will be a vision of, of something important. And all of his visions have been of Dio. Yeah, he keeps just getting more and more Polaroids of Dio. Not great pictures of him. He's kind of in shadow, facing away from the photo. But yeah, when he hands the, the photo over to Jotaro, who's very impatient, cannot wait for uh, you know a Polaroid to take a couple of seconds to develop. It, does the stand check the price tag? Can it be on sale? Does mm. it not work if, it's, uh, if the discount is too steep? <laughs> I wonder. So this is, a, this is a thing that gets established a little bit more later on. It's kind of sort of a rule change to how joseph stands work but it's not like it's not really bullshit it makes sense Mm -hmm. but it's not so much just expensive cameras it's any visual medium he can do spirit photography through it's just getting pictures photos is like probably the most convenient thing because you get to keep them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um is the retcon then that Joseph first did it with this model of camera and was like it must be this kind of camera i gotta buy up a thousand Mm -hmm. of these (laughs) <laughs> maybe yeah because there are some times later where he uses he uses stuff other than cameras to get uh, uh spirit photography but i don't know it makes sense yeah yeah joseph is is asking jotaro and holly hey have you ever like you know noticed your cool birthmark <laughs> uh, uh on all of them including joseph and you do see this in part two actually i pointed it out uh you even see it in, in part the, one the podcast yeah you do see it in part one actually yeah every single jojo has a big kind of like on their back, like kind of where their neck meets their shoulders, just a big star-shaped birthmark. The trapezius, you might call it. The trapezius, yes. And yeah, so we get a shot. You, we, you see that they all have the same birthmark in about the same spot. And so does Dio. Yeah, in the photo. <laughs> because that's not his shoulder. That shoulder originally belonged to Jonathan Joestar. Yep, he is. He is fucking lopped Jonathan's head off, and Dio's taken over Jonathan's gigantic muscular body, and it's still pretty huge. Jonathan's only victory was a one hundred year delay. So tragic. Yeah, it sucks, man. Also, some somebody disrespects a waiter in the middle of of uh, this yes. expository exchange. Yeah, a waiter just comes by and goes like, hey, is everything going good? Can I get you anything? And everyone's just like, fuck off. Waiter is the worst job in the JoJo world. Nothing good yeah. ever happens at a restaurant. If if dogs didn't frequently die, especially in this current part we're just start, starting, yeah, probably maybe one of the more consistent things is just waiters being disrespected. <laughs> they, Imagine they, being the busboy who has to clean up a wine glass with noodles stuck through it. Like, what what do I even do here? <laughs> I guess it's yeah. trash. There's nothing else he can do. So yeah, Joseph is explaining it is their destiny to fight Dio and, and finish this fight that Jonathan wasn't able to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Avdal is, is explaining that like uh, in you know the wider world, anyone who's aware of stands who does not has one just regards our powers as, as being you know, psychic powers. Avdol has had his stand since birth, but Joseph and Jotaro only recently got theirs, mm-hmm. uh, which means that their their destiny, it, it's the whole Japanese concept of like the red thread of destiny, basically. Uh, their their bodies are tied to the, the bodies and destinies of previous Joestars. And because Dio is now f- fused with Jonathan Jonathan's body. Yeah, that, that uh, has somehow has... sent a ripple down the, the bloodline. Yeah. Uh, and awoken yeah. stands in in our two JoJo's here. Joseph hands the the D, the new Dio photo over to Avdol and says like, "Can you suss out any information for this photo?" And it's just like it's too dark, it's too murky to like figure out a location. 
mm-hmm. just based on this this single photo. Uh, so we cut over to Dio being very dark and very murky. <laughs> yeah, he's already got a, a big lavish bed to lounge on. He's just sort of monologuing, you know, as he does. <laughs> yeah. And and mentions that he just made the first move, which is interesting because it's not like Dio to like waste a few years lying around. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder how weak a hundred year old not being able to feed on anybody Dio is. Did he have to spend a whole bunch of time sucking people's life forces up to get back to normal? I imagine I a know. lot of stretching. That's what all the poses are. He's stretching. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, he's hanging out his evil vampire lair, and we do see he had just finished feeding on a lady uh, who's just laying dead in the ground. Dio seems cool with what's happening. Uh, he, he already says, you know, he's sent somebody to fuck the Joe Stars up for him so he doesn't <laughs> have to do anything. And that's the end of uh, the first episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, time for episode two, Who Will Be the Judge, which starts uniquely with a previously on intro. Oh, yeah. Yeah, JoJo doesn't really do that. But there was so much stuff, as you can tell from the runtime of this episode, to, to cover. <laughs> <laughs> God, oh my God, yeah, wow. <laughs> Good Lord. So yeah, we do get that that recap, and then we uh, start the episode with Jotaro at his home, a really fucking nice estate, I gotta say. Yeah, it's like a, a super traditional Japanese estate, you know, uh, uh, the mm-hmm. paper walls, uh, raised uh, uh, floors, like, they, they, they remind me of tiny baby balconies run, running around uh, yeah. all, all the rooms. I, I guess Jotaro's jazz musician dad must be pretty loaded. I guess, It's man. a pretty nice house. He's playing some sweet gigs. But I think they have more than one building on their estate. They have a specific room for tea ceremonies. Yeah, they have a tea ceremony room. That must mean they're they're pretty loaded. I don't know. I don't know how many rooms you have to have to set aside a specific tea ceremony room, but it's more rooms than I've ever had in my life. So Jotaro's getting ready to go to school. I'm surprised he's even a good enough boy to go to school. I think you think he'd just play hooky every day. He says he doesn't do it often. Okay, that's true. Yeah. I do like the detail of Jotaro being so huge that he has to kneel to go under all the doors mm-hmm. in his house. <laughs> Uh, there's even a shot where he's just standing straight up right next to the door and it's like his forehead would just, <laughs> he's got inches over the, over these thresholds. But before he can leave, his mom come, you know, says, oh, wait, you know, don't leave yet. I got to give you a little goodbye kiss because she's the nicest mom ever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when she does that, Jotaro says, you bitch, stop clinging to your child already. <laughs> <laughs> you do, uh, your mother is so kind and you do not deserve her. <laughs> And her response to that is just, okay, have a good day. <laughs> it's the best. I love her. Yeah, it's it's funny. I, I was willing to forgive the first you bitch. Because like, okay, yeah. he's he's scared. He's confused. Mm. He's trying to like put on a, a, a brave face as he has no idea what's happening to, to himself or his body. Like, okay, once things calm down, no, fuck that. He just sucks. I hate him. <laughs> He's mean. He's a mean boy. So in the English dub, when he's walking away from his mom, he says, good grief. This is a translation of the catchphrase. So there's a lot of things in JoJo that like people just say the Japanese version of it because it has stuck a lot more than the English translations. Good grief is a translation of his Japanese catchphrase, which is yari yari daze. Good grief is kind of what it means. Uh, he says it a lot throughout the entire show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically kind of a um, 
like a oh geez oh well 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 kind of thing while also showing like you don't care that much just like ah <laughs> oh, geez this is bullshit kind of thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is kind of what it is i guess good grief kind of works for that good grief has not stuck the way yari yari does has so if you ever see that that's what that is dismissive kind of above it all filler phrase yeah that's that's basically what it is and he's he's gonna say it a lot <laughs> <laughs> But when when he gets to school, uh, you know, he, no matter where he goes, no matter the generation, there is some ladies fall, uh, fawning over him. Uh, sometimes seven at a time. Yeah, there's a big group of tiny schoolgirls. He's popular with the just, ladies. Uh, calm down, calm down. He sucks. He's not worth yeah, it. They're all fawning over him, latching onto his arms. The ladies get into a fucking fight over him yes they get into an argument as he's telling Uh, them all to piss off yeah by the way one of these ladies has a really hilarious hairstyle that basically looks like she's wearing a cornucopia (laughs) like it's really asymmetrical yeah (laughs) and and on its side not like with her head in the hole like you might expect yeah yeah on the side Jotaro's getting annoyed at them arguing around him so he tells them to shut the hell up and then they just all go damn that dude's hot (laughs) It's like Jotaro. It's like Jotaro's cursed. Yeah, yeah. Like some some sort of very tricksy witch cursed him, so that what whatever tone of voice he used, women would hear it as the opposite. Yeah, that's that's why his mom's memories are all of him as such a very nice, kind boy. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't understand how he could go out beating people when he's always so kind to her. <laughs> so while uh, Jojo is being followed by all these ladies, uh, the camera cuts over a few feet away to a very ominous teenager painting Jotaro. I, I think this painting is supposed to be like, you know, cubist, uh, uh, but I just see it as the Napoleon Dynamite Liger drawing. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of like that, huh? <laughs> so while this guy is, is is painting Jotaro here, Jojo starts going down a very long, steep set of stairs, and this guy paints a, a red line across the the leg of jojo and suddenly real jojo has just his leg explodes his leg explodes a huge burst of blood he trips he starts falling down this really steep set of stairs he's about to like fucking eat it yeah this staircase is about three stories tall and he is uh, uh going for the ground not further down the staircase as one might expect he's been launched but he's able to save himself. He he sends out just the the arm of his stand to grab some tree branches, and he's able to swing on those and land safely. And all, all the girls are very concerned. This brings me back to my high school days when seven girls followed me <laughs> everywhere I went, desperate for my attention. Oh, yeah. Oh. I miss those days as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but somewhere in here, we, we get our first look at the, the part three OP. Oh, yes, we do with this episode. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it starts with a legacy of the JoJo's. So is this the the double Zeta of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? We, we have to go through the oh, previous man. protagonist to, to see the new one. Yeah. Yeah, we get a, we get poses from Jonathan, then young Joseph, and then now uh, Jotaro. And the rest is all basically a road trip with the homies. Several homies we haven't yeah. yet met, but it is a road trip with the homies. Mm-hmm. This... OP also brings in some elements from the part one OP. We get uh, similar shots of like an evil fog going up uh, a set of stairs that leads up to Dio posing. We get uh, the 
like comic book onomatopoeia motif again because mm-hmm, there's a part mm-hmm. where everyone's just fighting and and flying through tons of sound effects and, and comic book style elements and we also get a callback to the the first op of Jotaro and Dio falling through, just falling endlessly through a, a tower, like uh, Jonathan and Dio falling through the 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 Joestar estate that was on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, except now Dio is like completely in silhouette, and you can barely see him as, as Jotaro is trying to punch him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's a really cool op. It looks really good. Back to the present. Uh, this mysterious painter is is musing about how ooh, um, <laughs> such quick reactions. He he truly is a powerful stand user. Like you could have just cut his throat, you know. You that yeah, that you red slash of paint could have gone anywhere. You chose just <laughs> below the knee for some reason. That was your decision. Yeah. I do like when this painter is coming down the the stairs because he's like voguing super hard. He's got this super long scarf wrapped around his arm. And just looking real sassy mm-hmm. when he's doing it. Uh, but he hands Jojo uh, a handkerchief to like clean up the blood. Which he does he not kinda, do. <laughs> he doesn't do. He does keep the handkerchief. He just pockets he it and it. walks the fuck away. <laughs> so th- this painter guy uh, is in... Uh, He's from a different school. He's in a different school uniform. It's it's green, like yellow buns on it. And uh, he's got kind of long red hair. He's got a face like a upside down pyramid. He comes to a point, yeah. this boy. Yeah, a lot of dudes have that kind of face in part three. Super angular. The Whenever they're drawn like from a, a three-fourths angle, the, the further away part of their face is basically just a straight line. There's no cheekbones or anything. It's just a line. You could scalp him and use his head as a funnel. Yeah. I don't know why you, you'd want to, but you could. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy, you know, basically just keeps being kind of vaguely threatening and then just walks away. Uh, and the, the girls know him. His name is Kakyoin. And they are all about him, but not as much as they're all about JoJo. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're ranking the boys right in front of JoJo here. And with that, uh, we cut over back to Dio, reliving memories of the, the boat mm-hmm. and him just being ahead. And going like, damn, it really sucked being ahead. I hated that. <laughs> uh, and then he like rubs his hands all over his body and flexes so hard that sweat in slow motion just flies all over the camera. Uh, and goes like, but damn, I love Jonathan's body. It's pr- it's great. Mm-hmm. Come on. Come on. How is there not subtext to damn, I love Jonathan's body? <laughs> yeah, right? Come on. Like, the way that whole part is framed where he's running his hands over the, all over the body is pretty sexual. Yes, like, yes it is. Like, it is super sexual. <laughs> yeah, he, is, he, he starts monologuing again, talking about how, like, the Joe Stars are aware of his, his existence and he needs to take care of them quick before they can find him. Mm-hmm. Uh, while he's doing this, we do see Dio has some lackeys. He's got they're, they're a, a couple shadow. of minions in just such deep, inky shadow. There's really nothing to say about them. I mean, you can barely tell they exist. <laughs> Yeah, they're just there in the background. He looks at himself in the mirror, and I, I keep forgetting that vi- vampires can see themselves in reflections in the world of JoJo. It would be wild um, if there was just a headless body in the mirror. Oh, my God. That would be so great. Oh, that would have been rad. But yeah, now we go back to uh, Jotaro's house. Joseph and Avdol are in the tea ceremony room, and Joseph is immediately bitching how, about how tiny the rooms are in Japan. Well, maybe if you weren't a muscle giant freak... <laughs> <laughs> okay, you've got good genes, fine, but still. And, and and Joseph's just whining about this while Abdal's like doing the the tea ceremony. He goes just like, I don't know, it's pretty soothing. I like the tea ceremony. <laughs> and uh, Joseph, I really like this bit. Joseph's just like, fuck this. I love American instant coffee. And he starts blending that. 
And then uh, he says it sucks because Japanese coffee is bad. And Abdul reminds him, that's the American coffee you brought. That, that, and he's so American. grumpy about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to be racist. Mm. Mm. Uh, and, you know, while they're having their coffee and tea here, they're talking about Dio trying to figure out like where to even start with trying to figure out where Dio is and like, oh shit, does Dio have a stand too? Like what the fuck are his powers going to be? And they're, they're real worried about that. Mm -hmm. Jotaro now has gone to the nurse's office to get his, his leg fixed up. There are also two other high school boys here that are also equally fucking as big and looking (laughs) like they're 30 years old gangsters. Uh Um, They got pompadours and stuff. They're they're faking being sick so they don't have to go to class. And uh, and the school nurse, like this is honestly one of the biggest differences between the, the subtitles and the dub is that uh, yeah. uh in the subtitles she's a nurse, in the dub she's a doctor. Right, a doctor, yeah. I don't know the point of that change. <laughs> I don't know. Cause the, the Or which one's more accurate to the source, honestly. I don't I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. The part one and two, their subtitles are accurate to the English dub, but here for part three, the subtitles were the original ones done for the Japanese one. I wonder if maybe they change it from nurse to doctor just because of the difference in syllables. I don't know. Oh, could be. Uh, could be. Frequently, I think that if a word gets changed for a dub and it's like, why did why did you change that when the other word was also fine? I think it's for lip flap reasons, usually, maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But in any case, she is an old hand at dealing with fakers like these two. But oh boy, uh, uh, Jojo here has a real wound that needs real attention. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, uh, I think the hottest babe in all of Jojo so far. Yeah, the nurse is really hot for some, for some reason. Her and Lisa Lisa. Yeah, uh, yeah. I could buy these these 30-year-old gangster delinquents faking being ill just so they could see the stacked nurse again. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> She uh she's trying to like cut off Jojo's pant leg, uh, but he's like, "Don't fuck up my pants. I'll just take them off." And when he's going to do that, she goes to attend to the the other fakers, and Jotaro pulls out the handkerchief that Kakioin gave him and opens it up and uh reveals that there's actually a murder re- message written <laughs> written inside this of it. This just brings me back to my high school days, passing secret notes with death yep. threats. <laughs> yeah, there, there's just a fucking death threat in this handkerchief, like in between. Uh, you know, being chased by all those girls and us uh, uh, reading zany VG quotes during physics class. Yeah, we were. this was happening all, <laughs> all the time. The time. P- people were just jealous of how many marshmallows you could eat at once. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? Uh, oh, God, that was a bad day. That was a good bad day. <laughs> it was a good bad day. I mean, I felt I was worried when you accidentally swallowed one marshmallow whole because there were too many in your mouth at once. And I thought you were going to choke to death. <laughs> Uh, good it thing it was a marshmallow. So slimy. Oh yeah, that must have been fucking gross. That looked nasty, man. <laughs> but while Jojo is like reading this note and going like, "Oh shit," uh, he looks back over his shoulder and the nurse is acting real weird now. She's foaming at the mouth. <laughs> she's yeah, she is fo- foaming at the mouth. Her eyes have rolled up at the back of her head. She's grabbed a like a a real nice fountain pen that looks it's supremely sharp, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she's just swinging it around and being real threatening she's Uh, she's just stumbling around no no real sense of balance jojo briefly notices there's some weird gray and green tentacle like going up her leg Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. the nurse is acting like the uh the the pen is still a thermometer and she's like okay time to take your temperature and she just stabs one of the dudes clean in the eye 
and starts twisting the the pen in his eyeball. School staff is so overworked these days. You know, if if she could yeah. just have a, a break, maybe if they hired a, a second nurse. And here we get another interstitial again. Not a lot of stands have been revealed yet, so we just get a silhouette of what Kakioin's stand is. Uh, just all a whole lot of question marks. marks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why uh, wasn't it Joseph's? Like it, it hasn't been named, mm. but we could at least see it with a picture now and and some of its abilities. Yeah. We've seen it ha- yeah. use abilities. But yeah, the, those two guys. Somehow the guy being stabbed inches deep into his eyeball with a fountain pen is still alive. It's the twisting that gets me, honestly. Oh, the twisting. Dude, was the bad. twisting is bad. But so yeah, he both those guys run out. They they just run away, and so the nurse turns her attention to Jojo here and stabs him in the cheek with the fountain pen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, super strong. He can barely hold her back. But uh, he he sees uh, he spies Kakyoin with a, a little wooden marionette. Yeah. Because he is using the power of his stand uh, to control the nurse and make her a deadly opponent because to harm the stand would harm this this uh frail nurse and this is a trick that he learned from acdc uh <laughs> go ask yeah. grandpa about it jojo yeah there, there's a gross shot of uh when jojo's trying to fend off this this lady and she's you know her mouth is hanging open and you can see the stand just like in her throat just peeking out oh yeah it's bad. It's uh, bad. It's it's gross. So as as she stumbles around, her shirt just falls open. <laughs> just uh-huh. cause. Yep. Sex and violence, baby. Got to sell those issues. Uh huh. So Jotaro goes in to like to 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 kiss her, but what he actually did was use his stand to also kiss her and bite down on the stand in her mouth and rip it out of her. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which that part, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's that's a that's a Joseph move. That's pretty tricksy. Yeah. Also, forcing yourself on a woman. That's a Joseph move. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. He would just like fantasize about it. Okay. That's that's true. He would just fantasize about it. Boy, I sure wish the wind would flip up those skirts. If only I had wind powers. Oh wait. <laughs> he never made that connection. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, now, now like the the stand, if the stand's still kind of like in the lady. It's only been pulled halfway out of her. It's just from like the waist. It's up. like a tapeworm. Okay, it's it's um green and chrome. It's it's like uh yeah, it's some sort of gooey cyberpunk uh, uh, aesthetic. Uh, yeah, but it just trails off for for feet and feet and feet and feet into into like yeah a tapeworm style tail that that is still bound to to the doctor nurse. So yeah, he's mostly like a gooey guy, but he's got kind of like a yeah like a cyberpunk like style head. He's got like a kind of a weird breathing apparatus around its mouth, and it's got like um oh what are those lights called? It's got like robot eyes mm-hmm. kind of that that would be used on like um android kikaider or whatever like like old sentai style like cyborgs with the like vertical lines going over like the the eyeballs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like taillights like taillights kind of like that but yeah as jojo is still holding out to the stand he's just like this i don't know this stand looks pretty lame i'm gonna beat the shit out of you now dude <laughs> before he can do that uh kakyoin's stand pulls out his like main signature move which is emerald splash which is from his hands he shoots a whole bunch of chaos emeralds at you <laughs> And and it hits uh, Jojo stands square in the chest, which therefore hits Jojo square in the chest. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the Matrix rules. What what happens actually happens. Yeah. Uh, and, and Kakyoin informs him that his insides have been torn to shreds. Oh, yeah. I don't think this nurse's office is equipped to deal with insides torn to shreds. Mm, no. 
So Kakyoin actually names his stand here. It's Hierophant Green. Mm-hmm. Kind of got like a tarot card yes, thing going yeah. on here. Now that there are two named, or or uh, three, we, we forgot to, to mention that uh, Joseph's is Hel- Hermit Purple. Yeah, so kind of tarot cards with With, with, with a color, yeah. And while he's explaining like how his stand, you know, works and, and can, you know, remote control people, manipulate things. And, uh, you know, if, if it's inside somebody and it's forcefully removed, that person gets hurt. As he says that, the nurse just explodes. <laughs> just blood fucking explodes everywhere. She's still somehow alive, but she is bleeding all over the place. Yeah. So, of course, Kakuin does the, the classic villain thing. You know, this is your fault, Jojo. I taped yes. a gun to your hand and, and uh, <laughs> uh, pointed it at the lady. And it's your fault for pulling the trigger that I made you do with a string. This is your fault, Jojo. Yeah. So Jojo gets up. He He's such a beefy, strong boy. He's still able to get up despite having sh- shredded insides, I guess, and starts explaining basically his code of ethics. Yes. He's a bad boy. He's a punk. He beats people up, even if they just look at him the wrong way. He's beaten up teachers to teach, teach him a lesson, and they just haven't, they've just quit their jobs. He fucking dine and dashes. If he doesn't like food, he just gets up and leaves and doesn't fucking pay. <laughs> So even he knows he sucks. <laughs> and that's how he knows what true evil is. You're the bad guy here. <laughs> yeah. He he you know, he he's explained evil is when you use uh the weak for your own gain and all this stuff, especially if it's a, like, you know, a woman or a weak ch- uh, a child or an elderly person. He 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 points at Kakyoin and is saying, you know, I might not be the greatest guy, but I know bad people when I see it. And because your stand is invisible to the law, I'm going to be the one to judge you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, his, his uh, uh, big purple friend comes out <laughs> oh, and yeah. winds up for a punch. It's incredible. I love it. His hand is pulled back. Uh, the fist is not yet made. No, no. Every finger individually gets folded into the fist with this chunk, 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 chunk. Yeah, it's like he's loading up a gun or it's something so, with each finger. It's so good. Like... Yeah. Anticipation is one of the most powerful principles of animation. Yeah. It's <laughs> like like you go back to like the nine old men shit with squash and stretch, blah blah blah. Anticipation is where it's at. Yeah. And this is like, one of the greatest examples. Yeah, like Kakyoin is still really cocky. He fires more another emerald splash at, at at Jojo, but he's able to just like now that he knows it's coming, he just puts his arms up and just shrugs all of them off and just, you know, flings them elsewhere. Yeah, Kakyoin is is trying to like propose a counterpoint that uh what what is justice man uh what, what's yeah. right is written uh, uh you know history's written by the winners motherfucker i'm gonna yep. tear you apart and that makes me the good guy in the end uh and like right before we get that really great bit where you know each finger closes individually to make the fist jojo with his stand grabs kakioin's stand uh hierophant green and just fucking by the neck and just fucking throttles him really fucking hard <laughs> just shakes the this dude by the neck and kakioin just starts puking blood everywhere while this is happening but man when he yeah you get the anticipation bit and when he punches hierophant green it's in slow motion and it looks so good you feel the impact so good like it's tail light eyeball cracks and shatters mm-hmm. he just starts pummeling this like he's Still got him by the neck, and he's pummeling this dude, Hierophant Green's head so hard. It looks like a punching bag. It's just shaking every which way. Oh, uh, and- it's really good. So so we really, this is where we get our debut uh, of Jotaro as Jojo, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, declaring that there is evil, and he will fight it 
uh, uh, because it falls on him to do so in in this mystic realm against the claim that might makes right. You know, he's like, no, I, I yeah. Uh, also, he wins because he just punches better, at least in this case. <laughs> Yes. The, the yes, secret the, that he pulled out is uh, uh, his Stan's chest is tougher than believed, and so his insides secretly weren't shredded. Yeah. I do like the finishing blow here. He tosses Hierophant Green up in the air and just punch, does an uppercut in the head so hard it flies through the rest of the school, and you get an outside shot of every single window of the school just immediately shattering. <laughs> And everyone, like, a, a shot of, like, other people just having a normal class just, like, freaking out because, like, half the school just exploded. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, with this fight, establishing that, like, yeah, Jotaro and his Stan are just really fucking strong and just punch really fucking hard. The beginning fights, stand fights of part three are a little more just, like, I punch better than you or I figured out oh, an opening to punch you really hard. But... It doesn't take too long for the part two style uh, stuff to start coming back in where, okay, it's not just, I can't just punch this guy because his powers are way too fucking weird to just punch him. Mm-hmm. And y- you start getting more of like the thought processes back and like the the really crazy, like turning the table on the enemy in a clever way to beat them. That stuff starts coming back. But at the start, yeah, it's, it is a lot of like, Jotaro just punches really fucking good, man. Yeah, yeah. This also establishes our, our brand new JoJo as, you know, square in the line of violent 80s anti-heroes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a- anti-heroes are tied to periods of like social unrest, uh, especially rebellious youth. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I really see uh, JoJo as a cross between like Dirty Harry and JD from Heathers. <laughs> yep. Doing the dirty, dirty Harry thing, like you're spot on because, like, in the first volume, hardcover volume that has some interviews with Araki at the end, Araki straight up says, like, yeah, I based Jotaro off of Clint Eastwood. <laughs> like, every character that Clint Eastwood plays, that's what Jotaro is based off of. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, he nails it. It's, it, he is exactly like a Dirty Harry style dude. Yeah. Uh, that knee is still bleeding, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's still bleeding from the knee. He's still and, and Jotaro just, he, he checks on the, the the nurse and she's still alive. He's like, oh, her injuries should be fine despite exploding from the inside from a giant tapeworm in her gut space. She's tougher than she looks. Yeah. Yeah, she's fine. I, I mean, Kakyoin has con- uh, uh, repeatedly now underestimated people's guts. Yes. It's his fatal flaw there. <laughs> so Jotaro thinks, okay, I should get out of here before I get in trouble. So he just picks up Kakyoin's unconscious body after he violently also exploded and he just hops out a window and just walks walks off with them and takes him back to his home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We didn't say it, but yeah, Kakyoin straight up just admits like, oh, I am here to serve Lord Dio. I got to kill you for Dio's sake. Mm-hmm. But but back at the at Jotaro's home, uh, Holly is, is just like cleaning and doing household chores, looks at a framed photo of Jotaro looking grumpy and hugs it thinking and says out loud oh i bet he's thinking of me right now (laughs) and then he comes up behind her with a bloodied almost dead teenager (laughs) and just goes like hey mom i'm not thinking about you i'm looking for gramps yeah where's grandpa please jojo let's trade moms you clearly don't want yours she's so nice that's something we have in common we can trade moms Holly seems like the mom who, like, even though Jotaro is 16, would still tucks him in at night. She tries. <laughs> or at least tries to, and also seems like the mom who is always giving him, like, milk and cookies mm-hmm, all the mm-hmm. time. He eats them. He's, he doesn't smile, but he will eat them when she's not looking. <laughs> yeah, while she's gone, he, he eats the cookies and, like, muffled just like, <laughs> 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 the cookies, though. 
Also, also, I bet he shotguns the milk carton. <laughs> he's a he's a rude boy who drinks straight from the milk carton, and he drinks it from the bottom. <laughs> he's a bad boy. Bad boy. Quit doing that. Get out the spray bottle. <laughs> Quit doing that. So, so as uh, he he walks away with his, his prisoner, I guess. <laughs> yeah, his prisoner of war. Uh, Holly keeps thinking to herself, "Oh, uh, he he talks tough, but I I know he he cares deep down." And then the music cuts, and he's like, "Hey, I don't care about you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the way, you look sick. Be careful. <laughs> the slightest ounce of show, ounce of showing that he cares is like, "You look pale today," and that's like enough proof for her. To just be like ecstatic and and like strike a cute little pose and go like thank you I'm good yeah she she gives him a little peace sign she's so happy to be thought of yeah and like this is <laughs> this is a comedy beat this is played for laughs and it's very funny but if you take out the soundtrack that that sells the mm-hmm. joke this is a cycle of domestic abuse <laughs> <laughs> yeah it just yes. straight up is yeah. Uh, all we need is is for Jojo to be like, no, I'm so sorry. I'll do better. I swear. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. You get into that really shitty uh, manipulative behavior. Sure. I just love you so much. It makes me go crazy. <laughs> like, oh, fuck yep. you. Oh, oh, you got to leave. <laughs> Thank God jo- Jotaro never does that. But yeah. He 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 just dumps Kakyoin's body on the floor in the tea room. And, and Joseph gets real serious, goes like, okay, yeah, this guy is absolutely, definitely a servant of Dio, because take a look at this shit, and he lifts Kakyoin's bangs out of the way, and right on the very top of his forehead is like a weird, gross, little, fleshy mass. You gotta get that mole checked out, dude. It's it's gross looking. It's like pulsating and like screeching. <laughs> it makes an evil screeching noise. And that's the end of episode two. Mm-hmm. That's the end. Uh, also, like... The, the prognosis that they give Kakyoi in, in episode two confuses me because like, yeah, mm-hmm. this dude is definitely dying. There's no way around it. He has a few days to live. Like, okay, come on. Yeah. <laughs> if he can live for a few days before dying of his injuries, you have time to fix these injuries. Maybe not you, yeah. but a doctor. <laughs> At least try. Uh, so that, that brings us to uh, uh, episode three, The Curse of Dio, and they immediately start playing with his flesh bud in public. <laughs> Ew, don't do that. <laughs> it's gross. So yeah, the this thing is a, a flesh bud made of Dio's own vampiric cells, and he can just stick them onto anybody. Truly foul flesh. Yeah, g- gross flesh. Uh, and they, they like stab into the person's head and burrow into the person's brain, and now they are just a... a a servant of Dio. They they are controlled by this this flesh bud. Well, the way they explain it, it's not mind control per se, not directly. It is a brain spike that makes you especially susceptible to charisma. Right. Yes. And nobody yeah. has more charisma than Dio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Joseph Strip just says Dio is just super charismatic. He compares Dio to a dictator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or a cult leader? I I know some things about dictators. You know, one of my best friends. <laughs> one of my other oh, best yeah. friends too was ruled by a dictator and didn't seem to have any problems with it. Maybe in his fifty, maybe in these fifty years, Joseph has reflected on being friends with Stroheim and, and gone. Mm, that wasn't a great phase of my life. Let's let's just hope he never really talked about uh, politics with Caesar much. <laughs> they oh, had God, other yeah. things on their mind. Yeah. But somebody decides that it's been far too long without a flashback, so Advol has to tell us about the time he met Dio. Oh, yeah. 
in, in Egypt. This is like four months ago, recently. Yeah, yeah in, in Cairo. So, so Avdol is a fortune teller by, tray, by trade. He was going back to his shop at night, and as he was getting up to the, going up the stairs to his shop, uh, Dio is just there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, just chilling out in the shadows. He describes his his dubious sensuality, the kind you wouldn't expect from a man. Yes, yeah, and and then goes on to describe how he's so terrified of Dio because he's so fucking hot. We don't stand yes! a chance. Yeah, he's got, like, near-translucent alabaster skin. Like, you don't see Dio's face too much. He's still in shadow for the most part. But uh, there's lots of shots of just Dio's lips and him licking his lips. <laughs> going like, damn, damn, Avdol, you got a cool power I hear. Want to work for me? And Avdol's like, but his hair is so silky and his voice uh, ma- makes me makes my heart skip a beat. We're fucked, guys. He's too fucking hot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like uh, you see Dio's hair turn into weird tentacles to like inject the the flesh butt into Avdol. Avdol's reaction to this super hot guy is to scream and <laughs> jump out a window and run away. That's the only way I, he could get away, like deal with this super fucking hot guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's to yell and jump out a window. He surely would have fell to, to Dio if uh, uh, he weren't warned in advance by Mr. Joestar. <laughs> I wonder how uh, Joseph phrased that. Was it just like, hey, you're gonna, there was a vampire about and he might try to find you. Or, hey, there's a really fucking hot guy guy don't fall for his tricks <laughs> i mean it, it it lines up with you know, him being a vampire mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i just appreciate having a villain where it's just like god damn he is so hot i want to work with him just for that reason and that's before he got flesh butted like yeah if it weren't for the forewarning we must assume that advil would have been flesh butted and and magician's red would be at D- dio's command yeah Jotaro now is saying like, okay, well, damn, that sucks. Uh, hey, I'm just going to rip the flesh butt out of his brain. <laughs> right Everyone's like, no, no, you can't do that. It's, it's too delicate. It's impossible. Jojo reminds them that, hey, I have a really cool, strong stand that's very particular, very precise. Yeah, it, it is super fast. It is super precise, both in reaction time and movement. So even though Joseph says, hey, not even like a top-notch brain surgeon could remove this flesh bud without killing Kakyoin, Jotaro's just like, I could do this. It's fine. It's, it's good. It's all, all right. right. So he does. And uh, uh, very slowly, a lot of tension. Kakyoin wakes up in the middle of this surgery and is screaming <laughs> yeah. as Jojo's unnamed stand uh, extracts the, the flesh bud, but not without complication because one of the flesh buds tentacles goes up uh, uh, and burrows into Jojo's hand up the arm, making its way to the brain, try, trying to, you know, kill him or, or uh, uh, take him over uh, to yeah. leave the flesh butt alone. It's real gross it's seeing the flesh butt under his skin, just like this gross tentacle bulge un- underneath his skin. It's nasty as hell. But Jojo's delinquent power is to be ice fucking cold. <laughs> yeah. Like, Avdol's really worried and, like, tries to go in to, to stop Jojo. And, and Joseph's just like, wait, hold on a second. My grandson's a badass. Let's see where this goes. <laughs> so in, in the last possible moment, uh, he succeeds. The, the stand pulls out the, the flesh bud as it tries to leap away. And Joseph hits it with a little overdrive karate chop. Hell yeah. Even in part three, there's still a little bit of hormone. We, we still get to see a couple overdrives throughout this. It's great. Every time we see an overdrive or, or any hormone glow, I'm going to expect it to be the last time. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, the the, the whole stand power was made explicitly because Araki was f- having a hard time figuring out other ways to keep Hamon interesting. A lot of the, you know, especially in part one, a lot of the, the attacks were named after colors. It's a black and white publication. <laughs> Hamon was a more intangible power. So, you know, everyone, that's why Speedwagon even existed to explain you know, what the fuck was even happening? You know, he switched over to stands so that there was a far more, like, visual thing. Yeah, where you yeah. Could just more easily tell what they were doing with less explanation. The abilities are embodied in, in a physical, tangible way. Yeah. Even from the get-go, I think stand, stands start out fairly strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, incredibly if, strong. Did, did, did you see that punch? <laughs> it was a really good punch. You know, tons of other media have been influenced by the the concept of the stand. Like, the entire Persona game series is just based off of the idea of stands. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. almost exactly the same thing, where it's just like, hey, it's just kind of like a ghostly reflection of you in some way. But even right away, it's just really fun that each guy has their own weird ghost. Yeah, yeah. You and know, it, and if you take out the, the mystical connection or that it is an embodiment of your fighting spirit, you even see mm. it in things like Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, totally. That would explain all the, the NPC trainers that only have like one Pokemon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And then if you go the other direction, you, you take away the, the uh, physical thing and just have you know, the power of fighting spirit. Now now you're in Gurren Lagan territory or or get her race, I guess. Yeah, yeah, totally. I can see that. But yeah, now that the flesh bud is gone, uh Kakioni just kinda he just sits up and he's just kinda quiet for a bit. <laughs> but he's nice now. He's nice. Uh, he he's nicer now. He he is uh grateful to everyone for saving his life. Holly comes by and is isn't too particularly phased by all the crazy shit going on here. <laughs> I guess, you know, her her dad told her about all the crazy shit he did, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe there was a day when she was like 10 or 12 where he, he sat her down and instead of doing the birds and the bees talk, he just did the pillar men talk. Oh, God. Uh, that is <laughs> that is going to mess up a kid. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I saw a man burrow into a Nazi's face. I hope her husband is just kind of dumpy. Like, no, no uh, yeah. uh, muscle mass to speak of. <laughs> It must be a nice change of pace, actually. I hope he's bald. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're never going to see a, a JoJo with male pattern baldness. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> Doesn't matter how old they are. We all have like a moment to reflect and relax after all that tension. Joseph hates the, the practice of sleeping on futons in the Japanese style. Yeah, he doesn't like tatami mats. <laughs> like uh, He wants all this shit replaced with a real bed. I want to watch this side-by-side with the, the King of the Hill J- Japan trip two-parter. <laughs> I feel like they, they would be a, a, a nice pairing. Yeah. But uh, Holly is not having this. She, she insists that when you are in Japan, you do as the Japanese do, including using her Japanese name. And uh, uh, Joseph yeah. is a big fussy baby man who will do no such thing. Yeah, he, you know, her holly is derived from holy, and, and holy in Japan is, is like Seiwako or, or Seinaru. Is she named for Dio? Is she Holy Diver, the music reference? Oh, shit. Is that why she's named Holly? I Maybe that must be it. Maybe. That, I mean, there's a lot of like be. holy songs out there, but it's the one that jumps to mind. Yeah, that, that would make sense. But yeah, ho, you know, holly and holy and, and 
Japanese holy is Senaru, so pe- her nickname is like Seiko, and she's like, okay, dad, call me that. And he just will not abide for it. He gets real pissy about it. But yeah, th- this is too much change for, for a fussy big baby old man to handle. So uh, uh, <laughs> Joseph freaks out and gets clicky fingers in his frustration. <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy that clicky fingers, like, continue mm-hmm, it wasn't mm-hmm. just a one-off thing and, and i love thing. that it was uh, uh sort of called out and foregrounded in their first appearance uh yeah. so that now it just happens as part of the soundscape and ah yeah it's good so we we cut over to the following morning mm-hmm. uh and joseph is walking around uh in in pajamas dragging the bed sheet that's wrapped around his foot whining that uh so so he's got some pants but they're the right size for him but they're jotaro's pants and he doesn't want these because he doesn't like the stuff the style <laughs> well yeah all his pants have bizarre slashes through the knee this is not the first time this is oh man so he's calling out for holly and he can't find her jotaro also thinks something weird's going on because he's ready getting ready to go to school and his mom isn't there to give him the little the little goodbye kiss he gets every single day mm-hmm but it is Avdol that, that uh, figures out what's missing because he notices an ominous spoon, oh. an incredibly ominous spoon. He looks inside the, the house and sees there's a whole bunch of kitchenware kind of scattered all over the floor. And, and uh, the fridge door is open, you know, ominously opens very slowly and it reveals just Holly's hand on the floor mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she has she is passed out. Uh, Avdol like apologizes for what he must do as he flips her over and and pulls down her shirt to reveal her bare back. Apparently, she was wearing some sort of backless tank top. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Holly is short for halter. Halter Cujo. There we go. Yeah, yeah. He he pulls it down because he notices barely just on like the nape of her neck, like some weird like ghostly vines appearing all over her back are just ghostly like thorny vines everywhere mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of like very much like uh her her father's uh, uh hermit purple and now and like she's just she's breathing heavily she's suffering from like a heavy fever and avdol just starts auditioning to be the new speedwagon as as he yes. narrates everything we all need to know to no one but but those things are that yeah whatever is activating stands in in uh joseph and, and jojo is of course hitting the uh, uh is hitting the generation in between but she mm-hmm. she doesn't have uh the the same fight in her she doesn't have the the, the guts that the the joestar <laughs> boys do uh the stand awakening uh, is is bound to to kill her to, to overcome her and snuff out her life this this yeah. strange curse passed on from dio and so it's a good thing that her her family has uh arrived at the door and heard the important parts his narrating was not useless <laughs> yeah uh joseph and jotaro are you know they're both pretty worried even jotaro seems like a little worried even though he clearly doesn't want to show them like that uh joseph like starts yelling and crying and slams Jotaro up against the wall just because he's so mad. Yeah. He has to take it out on somebody. Yes. Uh, he, he like burrows his face into into Jotaro's chest because he's just so worried. I actually, I, I really like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I want this to be the moment that like wakes up Jojo to, he is not bound to this family. That has been very clear. But I, mm-hmm. I hope, you know, it helps him realize that there are family bonds that he could have if he wanted them. Yeah. But but JoJo's still trying to play it all cool. He grabs Joseph and kind of pushes him way a bit and just goes like, okay, enough crying. How do we fix 
how do we fix this curse my mom has? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and Joseph immediately just says, okay, I know that how to, what, what we do here. We just fucking kill this, the, the, the source of the curse. Let's murder Dio. <laughs> it's time to murder Dio. It's time Dio. to murder Dio. <laughs> I knew he was a problem, but now we have to kill him dead right now. <laughs> yeah. In order to kill Dio, you must first find Dio. So we go back to the spirit photography and uh, uh, Joseph is like, it's no use. It's too dark. Uh, there, there's no way to find any clues in here. We already tried. But Jojo says, just you wait, old man. The the superpower that is precision is incredibly flexible. Yeah, because to, to be precise and to to be able to catch speeding bullets that are super fast, you got to have good eyesight, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so he uses his stand's precise vision to to zoom and enhance on the most recent Polaroid yep. and then uh, replicate with uh, incredible precision and accuracy in a pencil sketch a picture yep. of a fly. <laughs> yeah, there's a fly in the background that just could not be seen with the, the human eye. So Avdol takes it upon himself to, to hit up the library to, to research this specific breed of fly that he thinks he recognizes. He's got to, mm-hmm. you know, check some sources to be sure. Imagine the librarian that has to shush Advol. <laughs> we haven't mentioned yeah. it, but he's a very shouty man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Avdol, Avdol is a, a loud guy. And this is the, the first time I've ever really like listened to the English of a Stardust Crusaders. I think Avdol's voice is pretty funny because he sounds like he's got a stuffed up nose. <laughs> he, he's a little, he's a little, you know, like this a little bit. Yeah, Avdol is, can be pretty dramatic. He's not speed wagon level, but he's probably the closest you're going to get in the main cast. <laughs> yeah, he, he goes off to start researching stuff in the private library that they have in their home. It's a really uh, big house. It's a big fucking house. Are they sponsored by the Speedwagon Foundation? Oh, I wonder. Is is this all just a gift from from Grandpa's Grandpa, mm, Gr- Grandpa's perhaps. big uncle? But Kakyoin goes to check in on Avdol to see, like, hey, can I help? You know, with the research or anything? I, I feel bad just sitting here. Uh, and also, you know, goes to Avdol to get some more exposition from him, going like, is it possible for you to stand just to kill yourself, just to kill you? You know, Avdol explains more in this and. Yeah, but basically, if you do not have the fortitude to control your stand, it'll just it'll just fucking kill you like an illness, and it'll just look like a completely unexplainable illness that doctors cannot figure out. Mm-hmm. Death by stand. <laughs> uh, while explaining this, also getting like some weird imagery of Holly fucking naked getting wrapped up in vines. <laughs> like that part. But anyway, but we we have an estimated fifty days. Start the clock. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, uh, Holly's uh, awake and Joseph is is being a a big old daddy, uh, overwhelmingly so. (laughs) I I really like the scene of Joseph going to dad mode, even though... If this is the treatment Jojo got when growing up, I can kind of see why he resents his mother. This is a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. It's all, dude, Joseph is like a super doting father. Like, he brushes her teeth for her. He combs her hair, gets all the knots out. Like, he clips her fucking nails, gives her a massage and all this stuff. And then Holly makes it weird by asking him to change her underwear. <laughs> underwear. You are 45 years old. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> he, he he fucking peels an apple and feeds like each individual little chunk to her. It's 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 shocking that Joe that Joseph doesn't fucking like masticate the apple and just you know fucking puke it into her mouth like a mama bird. Like that's the only thing he doesn't do. Uh, he he is a daddy in at least two ways. Good good job, Joseph. 
<laughs> Jojo is is also there, and you know, so so Holly wants to talk to her son, and his way of caring is to just shout, "Shut the fuck up and get better already." <laughs> God damn it! Yeah, yup. <laughs> and, and Joseph's just like, "Okay, all right, let's let's calm down, let's tuck her back in, into bed," and, and you know she she's trying to hide the fact that she feels really sick because she yeah. basically the second she's tucked she immediately passes out again mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so like th- this has apparently been uh like yeah with, with uh her son noticing she was pale earlier this has been uh, uh happening for a while and she's been putting up on a, a brave face uh, all this time yeah. who knows how many times she's just been passed out while her son is off gallivanting destroying uh, uh men's balls <laughs> It's his number one pastime, crushing balls. <laughs> Gonna smash um, some balls, drive some RC cars in jail. <laughs> Avdal comes rushing in, and he is—he's figured out what the fly is. It's the the Nile uh, way way fly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is uh, a fly that only dwells within the Nile River basin. So it's a—you're really nar- starting to narrow it down a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Between <laughs> Avdal saying. I saw Dio in Egypt, this fly being pictured uh, with Dio in Egypt. And Kakyoin also says, yeah, I met Dio when I was in Egypt. <laughs> yeah. They're pretty sure go. he's in Egypt. Yeah. And really all the fly does is kind of narrow it down a little bit more mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to a slightly more specific area than just all of I, Egypt. I guess. But... And the fly confirms that he was in Egypt yesterday rather than a few yeah. months ago. Yeah. That helps. Kakyoin uh, you know, basically just goes like, "Can I join the party? <laughs> can I be a uh, can I be a, ma- a, a, a main party member? I want to help." You know, they ask him like, "Why do you want this?" And Kakyoin doesn't really have much more of an answer. It's like, "I don't know. You helped me. Thanks." It's because your mom's hot, I think. <laughs> yes, actually, he gets a little weird. Yeah, <laughs> he gets weird in this scene, and he even prefaces what he's about to say with, "I'm sorry if this is kind of awkward, but if I were ever to date and marry a woman." Damn, I wish it was a lady like Holly. <laughs> She's so kind. I love her. I want to save your hot mom's life. Uh. Yeah. I mean, you know what? If there's any motivation for killing a vampire, I want to save your hot mom. That works for me. <laughs> so so the, these four strapping dudes, uh, current JoJo, past JoJo, the artistic one, <laughs> yeah. and, and our mystic pal from the Orient... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they they all load up and and uh, step forward across the threshold in unison to pose for for their hero uh, uh, album cover shot. Yeah, <laughs> it's very good. It's very good. It's really good. And while while they're doing this, uh, like you know, who's gonna look after Holly? And uh, a whole bunch of like black cars just line up mm-hmm. right in front of the house and a bunch of dudes in suits and sunglasses looking all like secret agent style like come rushing in and they are all doctors and men from the Speedwagon Foundation mm-hmm. even in part three and even into further parts Speedwagon lives on because the Speedwagon Foundation is a constant force in the world of Jojo <laughs> Speedwagon ran his own Petra state like <laughs> Uh, so so as they they are ready to uh, continue on to the adventure ahead, the the ending finally hits the the ending proper because I guess it would all be spoilers if it happened earlier. Oh, and even before this, uh, uh, Avdal pulls out a deck of tarot cards because it's time to name Jojo Stan. Yes, so we we pick a card, any card to uh, uh, name the stand. He picks the the star card, and uh, Avdol names the, the stand Star Platinum. Yeah. 
It's a pretty good name. Star Platinum has got a, got a good ring to it. It's like way it. better than Hierophant Green. Yeah, Hierophant Green. Mm, Hermit Purple. I like the sound of Hermit Purple. Hermit Purple sounds like a band. Yeah. Magician's Red also sounds like it could be... Well, I don't know if it's a band, but I like the sound of Magician's Red. <laughs> so, so yeah, the, the ending is way more dynamic than the part one ending. Oh, yeah. There, there's actual animation happening and not just slow pans over stills. It plays to the bangles walk like an egyptian yeah yeah there's the spoiler there it is uh-huh yep gotta save that until you know we're going to egypt like it, in the opening and the ending there's a lot of shots of a, a fifth member of the party we haven't met yet that's not mm-hmm. too spoilery to show fine fine but yeah <laughs> the song that specifically mentions egypt that's gotta wait <laughs> yep absolutely uh so but i i like the the tarot card art that every character is shown with in in their part especially the the hermit card because it's a weird old dude with a fanny pack yeah that's right yeah i forgot and and this is the story of grandpa going on vacation and you need a fanny pack for that Mm -hmm. his fanny pack says lucky land on it for some reason (laughs) i'm sure that's some type of reference this is not quite the end, though, because this is one of the, the uh, occasional JoJo episodes with a post credit scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one shows them traveling by map, very Indiana Jones style, jumping from, from travel hub to travel hub uh, out, out of Japan towards Egypt until we, we get a, a insert scene inside a plane with our, our four, our, our band of brothers together. Uh, talking about how, you know, you know, you can't get too careful. Who knows how many agents Dio has? There may even be one on this plane as they all uh, uh, check their flies. I mean, uh, uh, there, there is a fly, a conspicuous fly. There's a very evil looking fly that screeches. It's, a, it's got a creepy weird face. And also while this is, is happening, we, all, we get a shot of uh, Dio also using spirit photography. He seems to have a, a similar hermit purple style sand karate chopping a camera and, and getting a, a picture of... Uh, Joseph and Jotaro sleeping on this plane and like Joseph and Jotaro feel it they they could tell that jo- that Dio just looked at them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's also an evil bug Very evil on this bug. plane and uh, yeah that's the end of episode 3 this much more than part 2 uh, mm-hmm. this one feels like a, a, f- a solid 3 part story to begin with yeah so I guess as long as uh, Jonathan's body is involved that that's <laughs> yeah but yeah we, we've got our inciting incident and we, we're, we're laying down uh, our first characters and it closes with them off on an adventure right it, it's mm. it's a three episodes showing you know act one of this story ahead yeah and it's uh i think it the the kind of like you know just kind of journey road trip story of getting to egypt and finding dio that is part three i think it's really enjoyable it's a bit of a different format from the the previous two parts because now it's because now there's tons of minions of dio that that are gonna you know try to fight them along the way it kind of turns into a stand of the week thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um different format from the previous previous two which were kind of just more of a ongoing you know story series of events probably one of the other biggest big changes aside from you know the introduction of stands is in part one and two while there were other people accompanying the jojos on their journeys they were more side characters and in this one they're just all the people along on the journey with jojo like get almost the exact amount of same like screen time as jotaro does Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'm i'm excited for like yeah full adventuring party shenanigans (laughs) 
I think Stardust Crusaders pulls off like a, a pretty enjoyable like party because they all kind of have different dynamics with each other and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, to, to go back to uh, another point we, we've brought up a lot is I, I think mm-hmm. a, a missed opportunity in, in part one and part two is uh, really exploring the the emotional connections and the relationship dynamics that are set up that are present but don't mm-hmm. get the the spotlight the highlight that i think they deserve uh, caesar is the biggest example uh dio and jonathan the biggest counter example like that that is what makes part one and and i love that yeah yeah but we are already doing more of that in, in part three, specifically between Jojo and his grandfather. Yeah. It's, I, I love that shit. Uh, I am very, very happy to see that go and, and see, yeah, what, what sort of uh, uh, frictions uh, between uh, uh, the, the rest of the group. Like, are, are these two uh, uh, sidekicks, going, how are they going to relate to one another? They they had a right. nice uh, library conversation. I I'd like to see how their <laughs> yeah. vibe develops. Yeah, and I think the show does a pretty good job of of developing all of that for basically every combination of character. There's a a fair amount of of interaction between them, which I think is really nice. Yeah, it, like even more than part two, I think part three com- comes off it feeling even more confident. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's still definitely going to be a couple of things where it's like okay that character wasn't actually important when it felt like maybe they were or oh okay this thing kind of got tweaked a bit just because Araki thought actually this would be better Um, Mm -hmm. part three and four are probably the ones I've seen that have the least amount of that and also when they do happen are the least frustrating (laughs) Um, and it also really helps when you have stands where it's like they all have unique powers and it, it's a lot easier to change the rules because mm-hmm, that is mm-hmm. the inherent nature of stands is that they all have their own set of rules, basically. Yeah, yeah. I, and the, the way the passing of the torch happens for the first time, really, because yeah. if the previous Jojo is dead, there's no question of why he's not doing anything. But, but mm-hmm. for, for Joseph, for, for things to now be in a stands are the thing, that is clear. If you don't have a stand, you're, you're out of luck you know, mm-hmm. m- much like Hamon used to be. But if your stand is only dangerous to cameras, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you have to take the back seat. He, he is, by, by being given this support power, he is now necessarily a support character. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and I think that is a more interesting and more, I don't know, elegant way to, to make that transition than saying, oh, he just got old. Yeah, yeah. That, that's boring. Old dudes can kick ass, especially in, like, if you're kicking ass with your brain power, your your <laughs> your fight will. Like, that. that's something that's so great about stands is that now mm-hmm. not everybody has to be the, the muscle hunk. Yeah, there's still, especially in part three, there's still a lot of muscle hunks, but that is one of the stated reasons Araki also made the change to stands because he wanted, like... He wanted weak, physically weak people to be able to fight too, mm-hmm. or to have you know different looking characters that aren't just super huge dudes uh, have the ability to fight, and I like that a lot. The, something I really like, especially with Joseph, who is just a support guy with with spirit photography. There are times where he still has to fight throughout this, and the ways he f- manages to do that while having support stand are really cool. Well, yeah, he's Joseph. Um, He'll figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, man. It's like, his thing. Like those, despite being old, some of those jo- old, young Joseph qualities are still there later on, and it's really fun when they when they play with that stuff. L- look at all of the things he did with just a hat. 
Yeah. Okay. I mean, sp- speaking of Hermit Purple, uh, it has a very clearly defined use case and and draw bra- and drawback. I'm excited mm-hmm. to see what uh, um, what weaknesses, what limits are put on our other three mm-hmm. heroic stands, and, and yep. then how they cleverly evade those. I, I guess we've already mentioned Star Platinum uh, in the fight against Hierophant Green. Kakuin w- was bragging about his range advantage, but yep. uh, Jojo overcame that just by jumping on a desk. It's not the most interesting <laughs> way to get around your weakness, but it, it worked. While Star Platinum starts out as just being just an absurdly powerful like brute force stand, especially much later on, some of the later fights in the series, he does some really cool, super clever stuff with Star Platinum. Mm-hmm. They're super creative uses of what his stand can do. I mean, it, it's already starting when you define your superpower as precision. That's incredibly yeah. uh, uh, open-ended, right? Uh, I mean, comparing it to to uh, Western comic book characters uh, who have much more tangible physical uh, uh, powers that are, you know, in themselves, mm. not in a spooky ghost that uh, uh, steals comic <laughs> books for them. There, there's much less creativity in use. Like uh, the, the biggest one you can think of is like the Flash who can move so fast, but that also means temperature powers and phasing through things and uh, mm-hmm. uh, imparting overloaded like kinetic energy to make things explode. But he's just one guy. <laughs> and even mm-hmm. speed, at least when you tie it into physical things like theoretical uh, uses of physics isn't as wild and conceptual as just the notion of precision <laughs> <laughs> yes just precise in what I don't... in everything try me in literally everything. Try me. <laughs> yeah i do like that the way that happens is jotaro is just like i don't know i could catch a bullet that could probably be applied to a whole bunch of things let's just try drawing oh hey look at that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sure Kakuin would have appreciated it if he tried it on drawing first to see if precision was really the thing before trying it on deadly <laughs> brain surgery. Yeah, that's true. But hey, it worked out. It worked out. It's fine. It's Everybody's fine. You've got a hot mom. I'll forgive you. There's a mix of, of both of these things. But a lot of the time, if a stand suddenly gets a new ability or power, it's far less frequently because something happened to unlock that unlock that, and just go like, hey, I leveled up. I have a new thing. It's far more frequently just like somebody tries a new thing out and they go, oh, shit, that worked. And now it's a part of the repertoire of abilities. <laughs> Especially in later parts, a lot of people use their stands in ways where they're just like trying to stretch it as far as it can go to see what it really can do and, and, and not do. And I think that's a cool way of getting new powers. Just trying shit out. <laughs> Like, like I said at the earlier, I, I've gone from hating this new JoJo to beginning mm-hmm. to like love to hate this new JoJo. Like, yeah, his his mom is right. There is a good boy core under all of his bad, bad, bad boyness. <laughs> and I'm hoping uh, uh, to see like a little uh, a little crack in the door to let let your mm-hmm. light shine just a little bit, just a tiny bit. <laughs> That that has the potential to be a very endearing journey, to be sure. Yeah. And yeah, even aside from that stuff, there is, there is a certain point where you do just enjoy Jotaro's presence because, you know, like the whole speech he gave about him knowing, you know, being able to suss out bad guys and being kind of like the, the, jury, the judge jury and executioner for those dudes when he finds them. There's a real satisfaction anytime there's a fight where Jojo is, where, where, jo, where it's Jotaro who gets to land the finishing blow because everyone else also gets kind of like their own fights to, mm-hmm, to shine. Mm-hmm. 
but it's always satisfying because you know like that anticipation of him like loading up each finger into a fist to punch it never that shit never gets old throughout all of part three (laughs) every time it happens you're like oh fuck yeah he's gonna punch him really hard (laughs) because the the way they lead up to it is kind of different every time and even though you know it's coming it's it's really satisfying the key to making an unlikable person like like a character that would be just absolutely vile into a likable character is to have them yeah. to- remain true to themselves. Yeah, and he he is absolutely like that kind of character. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of it in the fight against Kakyoin, but you'll you'll hear it a lot more in later fights. A lot of the time when Jotaro punches somebody with Star Platinum, they dub over like there's a punch sound effect but they also will frequently dub over it with a gunshot sound effect yeah (laughs) to make the punches sound even more powerful they put gunshots in along with it and it's really cool oh that's great that's great yeah so i think we should steer toward an ending uh of our it's two hours oh my god longest (laughs) recording to date uh this will tighten up a bit uh but it's it's gonna be our longest episode for sure yeah definitely I mean, it's it's a lot of big changes. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew this one would go long because, yeah, it is. It's the biggest change and everything is new. Every, every, not only the characters and their adventure, but our assumptions about the world and the way it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so there's a lot, a lot of meat to chew on here. Uh, we will be back next week as as uh, our heroes become fly swatters, I can only assume, uh, <laughs> and, and meeting some more of these uh, flesh bud buddies that, that Dio mm-hmm. has sent to stop them. <laughs> love the flesh bud buddies so we will see you then look forward to that next time see you everybody to be continued to be continued